When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Uh, and the little dinosaur friend of yours. Yeah, he's kind of become a fixture. Or she. What's his, yeah, it looks like a she, I guess. Yeah, it's a she. What's his uh, her name? Oh, Dinah. Nice. <laughs> that was sharp. Chuck. Thank you. I appreciate that. Not as sharp, however, unfortunately, as the blade of the cattleman's chainsaw <laughs> cutting down their tropical rainforest like crazy. Yeah, or burning it. Yeah. Crazy. Well, that's what they used to do, supposedly. I don't know if you know this or not, but I read a couple of books um, by a guy named Charles C. Mann. <laughs> and you, one's called 1491, and the yeah. other calls 14. The other is called 1493, and um, in it he talks about how there's a lot of evidence that the Amazon basin mm-hmm. was a completely human managed creation. That it's not like some virgin tropical rainforest in this natural state. That it was like created. Like we planted it. Yeah. Really? And managed it. <clears throat> huh. And um, I think he says, like, if that's the case, then it's, like, the largest public works project ever <laughs> undertaken in the Seriously. history of humanity. But one of the pieces of evidence is this, like, slash and char agriculture. Right. Where it's, like, you set the forest on fire, um, but you don't let it burn all the way down into ash. You, like, you know, put it out, and it leaves these stumps of charcoal, which actually um, make the ground more fertile. Huh. Which, it turns out, is a surprising factor, if you ask me, a surprising fact yeah. of the podcast that the um, ground, the soil in this incredibly lush Amazon rainforest, or any rainforest, tropical rainforest, we sure. should say, is really not very fertile at all. Yeah, at least deep down. That's a good point. Yeah. And that is in this article. And I thought that was pretty interesting, too. I thought this article was jam-packed with stuff, and then it just takes a really depressing turn at the end. Yeah, because everyone knows what's going on with the rainforest. And we're going to read a, a plug later, but uh, our old friend Joanne, um, who nominated us oh, yeah. for an Emmy nomination, mm-hmm. of course, we learned quickly that spoken word albums, you don't have a shot. It's unless, who you know. Well, no, it's kind of a rip-off, because all the spoken word Emmys, I'm sorry, Grammys, right. I have to say Emmy. All the spoken word Grammys are people reading their autobiographies. Who know everybody. It's just such a ripoff. I know. It it's really like, is. 
hardworking folks like you and I can't be nominated for a Grammy because Tina Fey read her book out loud in yeah. front of a microphone. Yeah, and look, it's so funny. She's got like a man's forearms. It's hilarious. <laughs> I love Tina Fey. But anyway, Joanne uh, Stanilonis, and I think I'm pronouncing that right, uh, works for the Amazon Institute. Right. And uh, she's one who kind of um, got me thinking about this today. And uh, we're going to plug her organization later. Okay. You can adopt a sloth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great news. Pretty neat. So, having said that, thank you, Joanne. You know, my big problem with those programs is you don't actually get to take the sloth or the kid or whoever <laughs> yeah. home with it's you. It's a symbolic adoption, I think. It's just like giving money to somebody <laughs> is what it amounts to. Pretty much. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's a good thing to plug Chuckers. Great. Chuck, um, I want you to know something. The tropical rainforests on Earth cover 6 to 7% of the dry land on the planet. Yeah, not counting the oceans. Right. But they may, they are home to about 50% of the species on the whole planet. Isn't yeah. that mind-boggling? I'm just going to go ahead and say this whole <clears throat> podcast, you will be blown away by the numbers, the sheer numbers of diversity going on. Yes. And sadly, 6% now, it used to be 14%. Yeah, the, it's going away at an alarming rate. Yeah. There's a, a statistic given at the end um, of this article that I've heard many times with some of these like kind of hippie um, e- e- ecology statistics. You have to kind of go back and look, you know, um, a lot of them like it, they're just so staggering and it's very important yeah. stuff that some sensational ones kind of slip through the cracks and like get reported over and over and over again. Right, right. But the 40, like, okay, so the, there, there's a statistic that at the current rate of deforestation, mm-hmm. there will be no tropical rainforests left on Earth in 40 years. And I looked it up, and um, apparently that's fairly close to accurate. So at the rate that it's being deforested today, which is about 50,000 acres a day. Yeah. It's 1.3 acres a second or something like that? 1.5 acres a second. Okay. Every second. Yeah, that is depressing. Yeah. So 50,000 acres a day. Um, so if you take the total acreage of rainforest left on Earth and divide it by 50,000 acres lost a day, yeah. it if you do that constantly 24 hours a day every day in 40 years, there's no rainforest left at this rate. You want to hear something else scary? Yeah. Uh, 500 years ago, there were 10 million Indians living in the Amazonian rainforest. 10 million. Today, less than 200,000. Yeah. And that's, that's the Amazon alone, right? Yeah, Amazonian rainforest. Well, the Amazon is by far the largest rainforest. It's The Amazon makes up 54% of the tropical rainforest left on Earth, of all the tropical rainforests. Yeah, but all, all in, I think there are more than 80 countries uh, through Africa, Australia, Asia, Central and South America. Right. That, um, And we're talking tropical. We're not talking about you in Seattle and you in Oregon. Those are rainforests. They're beautiful. They're not tropical rainforests. But they're not tropical rainforests. You try to find a sloth in there. You can't do it. No sloth? Not that I know of. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, so I guess let's talk about weather. Okay. Lots of rain in a rainforest. Yeah, they don't call it that for nothing. No. Did you convert these inches to feet? Because it's startling when you do. No. Um, <clears throat> I'll give you inches first, and if you have that conversion, that's great. 160 to 400 inches of rain per year. It's 13 to 33 feet. 
of rain. Of rain every year. Man, we For, think it rains a lot in Georgia. Right. Yeah. No, it makes Georgia look like the Sahara Desert. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even the Gobi. Yeah. Uh, for those of you living outside the United States, and what other country was it that used the imperial system? Liberia? Yeah. Um, that's, we're talking 406.4 to 1,016 centimeters. That's a lot of centimeters. It's a lot of meters. Uh, there is no dry season. Yeah. Like you have in some places, like where you have like monsoon monsoon season, Mm -hmm. dry season. Uh, it's wet all year round. Spread out pretty evenly. Uh, temperature remains pretty constant. Hot and muggy. Then yeah. dip below sixty. That's because tropical rainforests form a band around the equator. Yeah. Between the two meridians, the tropics. Things don't change a lot there. Right, because the uh, what is it? The um, precession of the Earth doesn't create seasons like it does elsewhere in the northern or southern hemisphere. Sure, we get a little further away from the sun, it gets a little cooler. Right. So what you have, hot. M- Wet, yeah, and um, green, yes, and the reason like monster green, monster green, like uh, I guess we should start at the top with the canopy. Yeah, um, I drew also Chuck. If you need any help, I drew a little diagram. Uh, did you? <laughs> it's a text to picture. You need to put a little happy face on your sunshine. Oh, yeah. I didn't bring a pen, or oh, else well. I would. We can add that later. But if you need this, this is here to reference. I appreciate you. that. Uh, the canopy, we're talking uh, giant trees, 60 to 150 feet um, tall, forming the thick canopy such that only like 1% of light will eventually hit the floor yeah. of the jungle. And then above that, sometimes you're going to have these, and I see you drew them, mm-hmm. the little, uh, what are they called? Emergence. Emergence. These trees that are so... Uh, stubborn and intent on getting sunlight, they're like, you know what, I'm going to grow even higher than the canopy right? and steal all that sunlight for myself. Yeah. They're Very crooks. Yeah. Crook trees, basically. There's a lot of crooks called. that we're going to get to in this. Yeah, it's kind of... Okay, so one thing that I learned from reading this uh-huh. is the, the tropical rainforest is a real like dog-eat-dog yeah. uh, um, ecosystem. Maybe sure. we should just get rid of it all. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it's brutal. <laughs> Plants, like sucking the life out of other plants? Yeah. That's just how it goes. That's what it's like in the jungle, Josh. So you've got the canopy level. Got the canopy. It's way very up high. thick. Mm-hmm. And you said another fact of the podcast to me. Um, only 1% yeah. of the sunlight that hits that canopy makes it down to the forest floor. Yeah. And another cool thing that was pointed out a little later is that um, if if like one of these trees dies and there's a hole in the canopy yeah. and little sunlight gets through, it's like... Everyone and everything goes berserker. Plants and animals like sun. We got to get to it. That right. is our life. Yeah, and they like scramble toward these little sunspots. It's like um, that Rush song, "The Trees." Ah, yeah, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that was in they were like way proggy early phase. They then I like prog rock because I like Rush. Yeah, well, apparently their new album's pretty good. <laughs> everything they did was good. No, I mean they had. Uh, Name one album of theirs that wasn't good. Well, I mean, anything since the late 80s to me. No, man, I'm telling you, it was still, still good. good. Yeah. Well, they're getting high marks for their new one, for being like sort of a throwback to their old sound. That's great. I actually don't like their earliest stuff, like 2112, not that big on. Meh. All right. Boy, that's a dude conversation. <laughs> you ever <laughs> yeah. been to a Rush show? There's yeah. Like five girls there. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And they're looking around like this. Yeah, exactly. And the guys don't even notice them. Yeah. Because Getty Lee's on stage. And I'm wearing a wizard's hat. (laughs) All right. So the forest floor, where it's uh, nice and dark and dank, 
um, you're going to find what you would probably expect, which is a lot of moss and fungus. No grass. No. You'd be hard-pressed to grow any grass on the forest floor <laughs> of a tropical rainforest. I think you're right, because there's not much light, like we were talking about. 1%. 1% of available light. Yeah. The one percenters. <laughs> yeah. They're on the jungle floor. Uh, so like you said, let's say a tree dies, there's an opening. It's kind of like um, a rent-controlled apartment. Yeah. Right? Everybody's scrambling for it. Sure. This... This happens probably more than you would think, and it's not even necessarily a tree dying. A tree could just fall over, as we'll see later. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, when when that's not the case in an area where there's seedlings trying to grow, most of them die. Yeah. Because you have to make it 60 to 100 feet to the top of the canopy yeah. to start growing branches. It's and pretty it remarkable. It takes a lot of light to generate the, or to undertake the process of photosynthesis to get that tall. To ensure your survival anyway. Yeah. Um, and if you are one of those lucky 1% seedlings. Okay, oh, wait, yeah. I just confused two different statistics. Yeah. If you are one of those lucky seedlings that happens to have an opening in the canopy and makes it all the way up there and yeah. starts growing, makes a nice life for yourself, um, you are probably going to be subject to basically what are parasitic plants. Yeah. Not carnivorous plants, even. Parasitic plants. Yeah, the uh, epiphytes, <clears throat> they actually grow onto giant trees. They, they use that as their ladder yeah. to get to the top. Well, they form the understory, too. So you have the canopy, yeah. and then just under that, where there's still some light coming sure. in, but nothing like above the canopy, you have those epiphytes, and those are like ferns and, um, and uh, orchids. Yeah, which are very beautiful. Air plants. Yeah. Because the sure. roots aren't in the ground, they're... On the side of the tree. Yeah. They're like the succubus. Yeah. And they can eventually kill this tree if they get to the top and they're doing fine up there and then their roots spread out and choke the tree to death. Yeah. Then that tree can actually decompose, but the lattice framework is still there. Yeah. So the uh, epiphyte is just like, great. Thanks for the ride. Sorry. <laughs> sorry I killed you. <laughs> Thanks for the ride, lady. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So an epiphyte can turn into a strangler. It's basically an epiphyte that's gone bad. Well, like you said, it's doggy dog. Everyone's trying to get up to the top. I know, but y- if you're an epiphyte or a liana, which is a, uh, um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. It, which is basically a vine that can grow all the way up and then starts to spread. It's like kudzu. Yeah. Um, you're not doing anything really on your own. You're dependent on some other. Organism, whereas if you're a tree, Aren't you're just all, doing your own thing. Yeah. But then you're dependent on the sun. Well, yeah, but rain. you can hardly be faulted for that. Everyone's mooching off of somebody. Um, Except, I guess, the sun. Yeah, the sun's true. the one that's providing <laughs> it for everybody. All right, so. The buck stops there. You were talking about the uh, infertile soil. Um, it rains so much mm, that yeah. the nutrients get washed away really easily and they don't never get to like penetrate deep into the earth. Right. So uh, Jerry laughed at that. Very yeah. nice. And um, it wasn't unsettling or off-putting. <laughs> and so what happens is you get a very thin layer of fertile soil. So what you get there is very thin, um, not very Shallow. deep roots. And yeah. in the end, you get trees that fall down pretty easily. Yeah. Like in here in Atlanta, when we go through heavy drought, mm-hmm. you'll also often see like trees falling down during windstorms yeah. because their roots never like got super low. Yeah. This is exactly the same thing. Exactly. Uh, but some trees have adapted a way around this called buttresses, which is basically like 
a trunk coming off of the trunk and just going down to stabilize it. Yeah, you, did you look those up? I've seen those before. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's like a stand almost surrounding the base of the tree. Mm-hmm. It's kind of neat. Yeah. It's, it's like, a buttress. Yeah, well, a buttress of any kind is a support system. Um, you, you're one of my buttresses. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, so I think that is worth saying again. Like The reason that the tree roots are shallow is because nutrients are scarce. Yes. Um, and one of the reasons why is because it rains so much, right? Yeah. Um, but even still, like these these plant species and animal species, as we'll see, are um, they've just adapted for life in this really high up. Like everything, everything that sustains life is basically up there. Yeah. For the most part, um, and all of these these plants and animals have made these awesome adaptations to live high up in the air, um, in a place where nutrients are really hard to come by. And there's a lot of competition for everything. A lot of competition. I just think it's fast, like a buttress. It's like, oh, yeah. well, I'll fall over if I don't grow another trunk. So I'll grow another trunk. Well, or the uh, <clears throat> the epiphytes can get to the top and then leap from tree to tree mm-hmm. and further seal in the canopy. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so we should talk about bacteria for a minute plays an important part Let's. in any ecosystem. Yeah. But especially in the rainforest. Um, you know, mm-hmm. trees break down bacteria with food. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, I'm sorry, provide bacteria food. Bacteria trees, eats I can't it believe up. I agree with that. <laughs> like, yeah. Trees break down bacteria's food. And uh, then the bacteria poop that out and feed the trees. Right. And they're just like, it's a great little relationship. It's symbiotic. Everybody gets what they want. It's like those little birds that pick um, bugs off of the back of what, a hippo? Is it a hippo that, that does that? I don't know. I've seen that now. Or there's no, there's one that, there's a bird that picks food out of like the mouth of a hippo. Really? It's really dangerous to be that bird, but like the hippos are like. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cute. Uh, and here's another mind-blowing stat if we want to talk about diversity. Let's say you live in uh, northwest Oregon. Okay. And you're like, dude, we've got like a dozen tree species here in this forest. It's like so diverse. Yeah. Hit the hacky sack again, and <laughs> let's get out of here. Three hundred different uh, distinct tree species in the in the, in the rainforest. Yeah, three hundred. Yeah, but that's just trees. They're really, really spread out. Yeah. So, like in an acre, you might find just like a few of that species. Yeah. So there's a bunch of different species packed into one acre. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. Yeah. Um, ten million animal species. Yeah. That's ten a million. Lot. That's a lot. Unfortunately, uh, they are being destroyed at the rate of 50,000 species per year. Uh, experts say that we're losing 137 plant, animal, and insect species every single day from right. the deforestation. 137 species. Not just like, oh, that bug died. It's like all of that bug died. <laughs> yeah. Today. Yeah. On Monday. Yeah. And guess what will happen tomorrow? All of another insect will die. 137 of them. It's great. It's just like, it's the saddest thing ever. Um, and it's not just sad, too. I mean, we'll see in a second, like, what the problem is when, oh, yeah, when sure. that happens. You know, biodiversity is important. And if you're talking about the cradle of biodiversity, then it becomes even more important. Right. Because it's like the cool part of town and then the suburbs as far as planet Earth goes. And then the exurbs. We can't even talk about that. <laughs> Uh, all right, but out of these 10 million, of course, insects are going to be the most abundant. 
And then out of all of those, ants are the most abundant thing in the rainforest. Yeah, so I, I found somewhere that um, they make up 30% of the biomass of a tropical rainforest. Really? From what I understand, like, that's like the entire biomass, the trees and all that stuff. Wow. The ants make up 30% of that. Oh, man. Yeah. I bet they're not fun to deal with. And so, <laughs> yes, and something like 15%, so half of that is fire ants. Really? Wow. Can you imagine? Have you seen this incredible movie? It's called um, Medicine the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's an Indiana <laughs> Jones movie. There's these fire ants in there. It's just uh, crazy what they can do to a man. Such an abomination. Um, Did you see the South Park about that? Uh-uh. Oh, was it great? It was great. It was also probably like the most disturbing <laughs> I think you South told me Park you've ever seen. About yeah. what happened, yeah. You used to see it. We can't say it on the air, though. No, I can't even <laughs> be, I shouldn't even be endorsing that episode. Right. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But... You can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887, and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Um, so these insects also have a very symbiotic relationship with the forest. Yeah. Um, because they, along with birds, help spread the seeds around. Because there's not a lot of wind going on. There's like zero the wind. Yeah. So seeds aren't going to propagate by flowing through the air like they do elsewhere. Yeah. So you got these little insects eating them and then carrying them off 10, 20 feet away. Right. Or birds carrying them miles and miles away. Pooping them out. Pooping them out and then you're spreading seed. Yeah. Which is probably another reason why each acre has like so many different kinds of uh, plant life going on. Right. You know? Yeah, well, I think that's definitely why. Um, the birds also, especially like, say, hummingbirds, mm-hmm. which there's an abundance in the tropical rainforest, um, they will get pollen all over themselves as they go from like orchid to orchid. Yeah. So that helps propagate um, orchids or epiphytes 
which typically can't really get from tree to tree. Right. You know? So when you, uh, when you have an orchid that's evolved specifically for a hummingbird, it's going to attract those hummingbirds with your delicious nectar and help generate new orchids. Nice. Elsewhere. I associate hummingbirds with the sun for some reason. Yeah. Probably just because of where I live. Yeah. But it's hard to imagine them in like in the dark jungle. Well, I think in the understory, which is where the epiphytes are, it's it's not that dark. It's like a hundred feet floor. down yeah, where it's true. like you can't really see. Yeah. Um reptiles, obviously tons of reptiles and amphibians. If <laughs> you if you want to avoid snakes, then the Amazon uh rainforest is probably not where you want to go. Yeah. Um but a lot of these are being smuggled out. Evidently live animals are the fourth fourth largest smuggling commodity. Smuggling out these live animals for resale. Is that for bushmeat or just for pets? No, a pet, like black market pets. There's a documentary on that. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Behind drugs, diamonds, and weapons. See, that's such BS. They always say that. Like, it's always like those and then whatever you want to put behind it. I've seen counterfeit materials. For being smuggling? uh, For fourth, yeah. For like black market stuff. It's like... Whatever whatever you're talking about, Drugs, it's always diamonds. the fourth one after those, yeah. <laughs> Drugs, diamonds, weapons, and knockoff Furbies. Right. <laughs> uh, you might be right, Josh. I think I am. But I'm going with it. Uh, but you did talk about uh, earlier about the different types of adaptations for the animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like um, little webs of skin, like on a flying squirrel yeah. and other animals to allow it to like, soar between trees. It's creepy. Pretty neat. Prehensile tails. I love a prehensile tail. Which is just like an extra hand, especially for a grasping hand, basically, is what it is. Not like a card-playing hand. Yeah. More like a branch-grabbing hand. Like, I'm going to hang on to this with and like carry my body weight with my tail, so yeah. I can use both hands. Watch me show off. Exactly. I'm a howler monkey. Can you do a howler monkey impression? No. Can you? No? No, okay. I don't know anyone who can either. Never, I was just hoping you'd, you could. I bet that guy from Police Academy could. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Michael. I knew you know his name. <laughs> Michael. Do you remember it? Michael Winterbottom? No. No. I don't know. He was good, though. You know we're going to get some emails about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was Michael so-and-so. Right. Uh, lots of bats. And then thus lots of bat scat. Dude, there is a, there's a park in Zambia. Mm-hmm. Um, called uh, Kansaka, Kansanka, Kasanka National Reserve. Mm-hmm. And it's home to the largest bat migration in the world. Every October, 10 million bats come to roost and eat these mangoes that are ripening nearby. Wow. And um, they cover everything. And apparently when they, when they take off at dusk, uh-huh. they blot out, the sky. the sky for like 20 minutes wow. in every direction. <laughs> That's so scary. Yeah. I, I'm sure they're, they just want the mangoes though. They're, yeah, they're yeah. They don't care about you, but yeah. man. Man. I even like bats and I'm creeped out by that. Yeah. Austin, Texas has nothing on those. Oh yeah, they have that, uh, that the tunnel. The, yeah, the overpass or mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. Um, gorillas, great apes, orangutans, pigs, big cats. Oh, and elephants. Bat, and bat scat, by the way. Another thing I found in 1493. Like, that was a huge, huge industry. Yeah. Bats, but like bat guano mining, because they used it for like fertilizer for so long. Oh, yeah. That like people made like fortunes, like oil fortunes off of these things. And it was all like in, in these tropical areas. Wow. There were like quarries of, that they were digging out bat guano from. 
Huh. Yeah. And who were the big names there that got rich? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, okay. So I would imagine like, they were mostly in Brazil. Okay. It's not like the Gettys or the Standards. I, I don't think so. Okay. The Standards. Standard Oil. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a standard. Really? Sure. Huh. Um, people, like we talked about, indigenous tribes, uh, like are being basically shoved out at an alarming rate. And these people, it's really sad because they have like uh, these medicine men who have a great deal of knowledge, who are very old. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, and one of the little hippie websites I went to said, if, you know, one of these medicine men dies, then it's like burning down a library. Like, unless they passed on their knowledge, then it just dies with them. Yeah. Just like some native languages do. It's really sad. Yeah. And that's why the movie Medicine Man was was set in the Amazon. <laughs> yeah. It's because, like, people think if there's a cure for cancer and AIDS, it lies in the jungles. So, okay. That's one thing Which I, I believe, by the way. Well, they call rainforest the pharmacy of the world. Yeah, but I just have a personal theory that there is no disease wherein there is not a cure. Uh, here on Earth? Yeah, I think it's... It's pretty biblical of you. No, it's nothing to do with that. You don't think so? No, I just think it's the yin and yang of Mother Nature. Like, there cannot be one without the other. I got you. Does that make sense? Uh Uh-huh. It's pretty interesting. I don't have anything to back that up. (laughs) It's just my personal thought. Well, just stick around, you know, and... uh, Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, So, apparently, 25%, a quarter of all the medicines we use today have their origins from plants in the rainforest. That's a pr- that's a pretty significant backing for what you're saying. Well, yeah, which always cracks me up when we get uh, crap for talking about like Eastern and Western medicine. Mm-hmm. People are like you should just call it real medicine or not real medicine. I don't think a lot of these people realize how much of their pharmaceuticals are based on right. plants that right. some shaman discovered. You know, we have a lot of angry listeners, don't we? <laughs> Sometimes, um, but. Just 1% of the plants in the Amazon rainforest has been um, analyzed by Western Western chemists, I guess. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Remember, we did an ethnobotany episode that was pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but even still, even with just that 1%, um, 25% of our Western medicine, from that 1%, 25% of all of our medicines came from that, that 1% analysis. Yeah, 121 prescription drugs. Are plant derived. Yep, that's amazing. Um, we get a lot of food. Apparently, there's something like two thousand um, types Three. of usable fruit. Three thousand. Three thousand total. Indigenous tribes throughout the rainforests use about two thousand estimated, yeah. and then we in the West have used like two hundred. I know, isn't that nuts? Yeah, there are like literally eighteen hundred types of fruit that we just don't eat over here. Yeah. And you go to these farmers markets and you see something like, "Wow, I've never seen this." Whatever it is, yeah. Like, imagine eighteen hundred different things that you've never seen before. Right. Um, yeah. And that's like a farmers market. I'm and- still like blown away by jackfruit. <laughs> Which one is that? It's they're huge and they have like spine, um, like um, you know what I mean. So yeah, my dad's what into, I said. into that stuff now. Exotic fruits. He should go to like. Um, he goes to the Beaufort Highway Farmers. Oh, market. okay. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Um, and speaking of good eating, the Amazon, well, not the Amazon, I, I always want to say the Amazon, but the tropical rainforests of the world are home to one quarter of the bird population. Parrots. Oh, yeah. Toucans. Yeah. Yum. <laughs> you can't eat a toucan. You can eat Fruit Loops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, a lot of the things that we take for granted over here came from the rainforest, like potatoes, rice, uh, black pepper, my favorite spice. Cinnamon, cloves, avocado. Pineapples, corn, chocolate, coffee. Tomatoes. Like everything you love, almost. Potatoes. Eighty percent of the food we eat. I don't think potatoes were from the rainforest. I think they were from the mountains of the Andes. Why did it say that in here then? Is wrong. It's possible. <laughs> well, roughly eighty percent of the food we eat originally came from tropical rainforest. So that's a pretty amazing stat too. Um, also, yet, yet we're just tearing them down willy nilly. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of a problem. So we're losing the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. We're losing tons of um, delicious fruit and delicious birds. Yeah. Um, losing people, a lot of people. Ten million to two hundred thousand. Ten million Less from p- pre-Columbian. Yeah, I mean it's been a while, but still, that's a drastic reduction. You also hear that the we're losing the world's lungs, but apparently that's not necessarily true. Yeah, they used to call. It's funny. It goes. They go by the lungs <clears throat> of the world is the Amazon, right. the pharmacy of the world, and then someone else in here calls it the air conditioner of the world. Right. Why can't it just be the jungle? Well, I think the they're trying to drive it home to, like, fat, lazy Westerners who are yeah, like, oh, wait, I need that stuff. Right, right, right. I don't want to be hot. <laughs> yeah, they used to think that the the, uh, the rainforest was super important for providing uh, oxygen, but um, apparently recent evidence shows that it doesn't have that much of an effect on the oxygen supply. The, not a net effect. Not a net effect. It does. It still produces, like, 20% oh, sure. of the world's oxygen, yeah, supposedly, yeah, yeah. which was the stat that was bandied about for a long oh, time. Okay. But... It requires a, about that much to decompose everything on the floor. Gotcha. Yeah. But it is the air conditioner of the world in a way. How so? Well, the dark depths of the rainforest are going to absorb a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. And if you mow these things down, there's going to be a lot more sun reflected back up in the atmosphere, uh, which is going to increase the overall temperature of the planet. So let's talk about why. Why would anybody mow this down? If these things are like the na- nature's pharmacy or the world's pharmacy, the world's air conditioner, the world's lungs, the world's... The world's strip club. Yeah, everything, right? Yeah. So like, why would anybody cut this stuff down? Uh, short-sightedness of huge corporations is my answer. Even more directly, like what are they after though? Oh. <laughs> Clearing land for like lumber. Yeah. Paper products. Yeah. Uh, making pastures for cows. Yeah. Which is not a very smart way to go about things. No, it really know. isn't. Like, let's cut down old growth rainforests for these cows. <laughs> yeah. So they can have a, you know, barren landscape. Well, that's part of the problem is, um, because these soils are so nutrient poor, apparently when you clear cut the rainforest chuckers, you have like usable land, arable land for a year or two. Yeah. Um, so be, it's, part of it's because this nutrient turnover from all the rainfall. Yeah. But also, all of a sudden, the soil that's used to almost no sunlight whatsoever is suddenly subject to light and heat uh, of uh, m- immense proportions. We're at the equator. Yeah. And so it bakes and cracks and loses its nutrients even faster through runoff. So causes flooding. It's really a terrible, terrible use of this land using it for crops and livestock. Yeah, I've got a stat for you, too. Um, I mean, it doesn't pay off either in the long run. Um, this one statistic is that uh, land converted to cattle operation yields mm-hmm. the land owner $60 per acre. Uh, if they harvest it for timber, it's going to be worth $400 per acre. But if you uh, use renewable and sustainable practices when you're harvesting, 
your land is going to yield $2,400 per acre in the long run. Wow. So it's, it's short-sightedness, and it's not these, like... It's not these indigenous people that like we need crops, so we're going to cut down the rainforest. Mm-hmm. It's Mitsubishi and uh, who else? Texaco, Georgia Pacific. Oh, what's the huge Unical. Brazilian? Um, like these huge corporations are going Uniclo? in there and doing this. Unical. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you think I said? Uniqlo. I don't know what that is. It's this clothing <laughs> company out of Japan. Oh, really? Yeah, it's big these days. <laughs> Well, they hate the rainforest. <laughs> right. They don't even have any stake in it. They just go cut it down for fun. Yeah. Uh, we're laughing, but that's really sad. Well, also, um, indigenous tribes who are protected are frequently murdered by um, mercenaries who are hired by these mega corporations that, you know, want this land and drive these people off of their protected land. Yeah. Um, I believe there was like a little girl who was found dead, an indigenous tribe member who was found dead, like, chained to a tree and, like, just killed by loggers who wanted that land. It's really bad down there. That was Brazil, I think. Wow. Well, plus the mudslides and flooding and everything else that happens when you disrupt an ecosystem so drastically. Yeah. It's like the um, hunting whale sharks. Yeah. That's what I was reminded of when you were saying, like, the economic impact of preserving it is way better than... Just using it up right then. Yeah, short-sightedness. Short-sightedness. It's very sad that, uh, yeah, the company's still like that. There's not a body that can say like, we got to stop this now. Like, there's tons of people like Joanna doing this great work. Yeah, Don Henley, Sting, these people that have been on it for years. Yeah, but it just keeps happening. Well, why don't you plug them? Are we done? I I don't have anything else. Handy search bar. Well, no, we should tell everybody about something very special and dear to our hearts, New York City. That's right. We are going to Comic-Con, and we will be doing a live podcast on Friday, October 12th Yeah. at Comic-Con at yeah. the Javits Center. That's like our new thing. We did San Diego, now we're doing New York. That's right. Next up, Albuquerque. So if you are going to Comic-Con, you should come by and see that. But after Comic-Con, we have one of our famous, that's famous to us, <laughs> all-star trivia nights. Right. Um, where is it going to be? The Cutting Room? It is at the grand reopening of the Cutting Room in uh, the Flatiron District, which yeah. is, what's the address? It is uh, 44 East 32nd Street in New York, and uh, it, it's in the Flatiron, you said? Yep. Awesome. And uh, doors open at 730. Trivia goes down at 830. And what is first come, first serve, right? Free, 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 first come, first serve. We will have a bar there that you can buy drinks. Yeah, you can buy us drinks. That's right. That We're going to basically be having a really good time. If, you, if you're not familiar with our trivia nights, like, just come out and check it out. It'll be worth your while. Absolutely. And uh, stay tuned for info on Facebook and Twitter about the uh, makeup of the All-Star team. We are filling yep. that out as we speak. But yeah. we will have some special guests that you will want to meet. Yeah, and at the very least, you can come take on me and Chuck, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's just fun. So what is that? That's Friday, October 12th, right? Yep. Uh, the panel's at uh, when? Uh, the panel is at, I believe, 645. Okay, and then uh, we're going to be at the cutting room starting at 830. Trivia starts at 830, doors at 730. Be there, be square. You are good at this. Thank you. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. 
Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! So, okay, uh, if you want to learn more about Rainforest, type that word in R-A-I-N-F-O-R-E-S-T-S uh, into the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and it will bring this up, and it's in handy search bar. So it's time for plugging the Amazon Institute. That's right. Um, things are, they're making some headway over there, but um, she basically uh, points out that uh, the bounty that Amazon is great, provides uh, a lot of fish, uh, fruits, vegetables, medicinal plants, Plenty, uh, plenty of fresh, clean water. Oh, I saw a stat, I can't remember it, that we didn't mention. Something about a percentage of the world's uh, clean, fresh water is, is in the rainforest, like a lot. Yeah. I can't remember how much it was. Oh, we've got the ice caps. They're melting. We'll be fine. <laughs> uh, however, due to a lack of nutritional education, uh, they hunt monkeys and sloths to eat there. I'm telling you. Uh, these animals do not provide any nutritional value, though. They are bones and tendons, and they don't taste good either. Weird. They just uh, fill space in a hungry stomach. So you can participate in the Adopt a Sloth program. Uh, your money buys food and protection, basically. Uh, two kilos each of beans, rice, coffee, sugar, and flour, soap, milk, and eggs are given in exchange for a sloth or a monkey that was scheduled to be skinned and grilled. That's how they put it. Wow. Um, so if you donate 75 bucks. You can adopt a sloth. You get a certificate of ownership with the name you've chosen for your sloth. You own that sloth. <laughs> uh, and you get a CD of rainforest sounds. And students can actually adopt a sloth for a class. Mm-hmm. And they have curriculum that they provide teachers, uh, K-12. through um, They provide teachers with an educator's packet of lesson plans. Uh, if you email with your class size and curricular structure, they will give you like customized material for your classroom. Nice. So it's kind of cool. So you can read all about this at AmazonInstitute.com, and they are well worth supporting. That's a good going, Chuck. Yeah, good going, Joanna. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for everything, for nominating us for an Emmy. Grammy. Grammy. What is wrong with us today? Well, we're heading to TV. We're like, Emmys. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you have a really good... Um, 
nonprofit that's helping things, people, lets you adopt something, we're always down for that, especially if you're willing to nominate us for an award, too. Uh, that definitely greases <laughs> greases the wheels. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can uh, join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.